Good day, folks. My name is John, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, broadcast, whatever you will. It's humbling, truly is, that somebody listens to you. And I, and I know I say this a lot, but to actually be heard, for somebody to take the sacrifice to listen to somebody else, it, it really does mean a lot. It is a sacrifice of your time, of your ego, your preconceived notions, to hear somebody else speak and to listen for a moment. One of the, one of the dreams of the internet was... Everybody will have a voice, and well, everybody does have a voice. Fortunately, everybody has forgotten to have ears. Today we're going to talk about something that I mentioned last week regarding prophecy. Who or what is a prophet? Now, I made a mention the other day. Let me adjust some levels here really quickly. I made a mention the other day. I said... In a lot of cases, I view myself in a sense, who am I? And I suggested, I said, I'm a prophet of sorts. Now, the office of prophet is recognized in Scripture. It is. And some people like to use that term in ways that it does not mean. So before we talk about who or what a prophet is, I'd like to talk about what and who a prophet is not. Because there are a lot of preconceived notions regarding prophets that I feel give them a bad name. So that being said, First and foremost, let us talk about what a prophet is not. A prophet is not a horoscope. A prophet is not a fortune teller. A prophet is not some charlatan psychic who sits down to tell you what's going to happen today or tomorrow. These are not prophets. A prophet is not a medium or a reader of spirits. Somebody who can sit down and tell you, oh, your grandmother who just passed away, she's watching you. That is not a prophet. That's nonsense. And quite frankly, I think it is presumptuous to assume that the spirit that might be watching you, you have already identified as your grandmother or grandfather or child or whatever. And somebody is coming up just validating your already preconceived notion. These are not prophets. A prophet is not a fortune cookie. Or a prophet is not a fortune teller. And I mentioned this before. A prophet is not designed to tell you and validate that which you already know. And I oftentimes think that one of the reasons that people seek out mediums is because one, they're in denial. And two, they are unsure of how to make a choice in their own right. A prophet is not one to look into your eyes and tell you the future. It's not a prophet. 
And we have a lot of people running around calling themselves prophets. But I don't think they really understand what a prophet is. So I'd like to think that we've kind of covered over what a prophet is not, briefly. I could probably think of a few more other uh, examples. Maybe I should shoot a few more off the hip, just in case I uh, have misspoken or maybe I've kind of not clarified. Prophet is not one who runs around telling the future for you. At least not directly. Prophet is not one who exists for your own validation and endpoint. Oftentimes, scripturally speaking, a prophet was one who anointed kings. See that in Samuel. A prophet is one who interpreted dreams, as we see in Daniel. But the funny thing about these things, these prophets, is that these were men, sometimes women, I think, um, but mostly men, at least in the Old Testament. Prophets were generally people who were not telling things to people things that the people did not already know, but instead, they were people who proclaimed a warning and reminder and pointing out things that the people had already known. So let's take the case of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar knew he was a jerk. He knew he was an asshole. He knew that he was doing terrible things to the Hebrew people. And so God sent him dreams. And Daniel said, well, Nebi, well, Nebuchadnezzar, this is what this means. This is going to be the reward for your actions. This is the ramifications of what you have done. Now, in a lot of cases, modern psychology would say that dreams oftentimes are subconscious messages informing us of that which we already know. Daniel didn't do anything remarkable. He was recognized as an intelligent person. He was recognized as a prophet. And Daniel simply validated to Nebuchadnezzar, hey, yeah, you know, you already know. The Lord is telling you that you know. You have no excuse. And this will be the, 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 the rewards and the fruits that you reap. You reap what you sow. You have reaped terrible things. This is what you're going to get for the actions. When Nehemiah went to Jerusalem... It's not like they didn't know that there was no wall. They were entirely aware of this. They're absolutely aware of this. You walk in around day in and day out, and you look at, you look at your city, and you're just like, hey, there's no wall. Nehemiah didn't do anything spectacular, remarkable. But God raised him up and said, you go out and tell the people, fix it. Organize them. And he did. 
Samuel, prophet. When Saul committed, uh, uh, Saul sought out the medium, and she called up Samuel. And Samuel looked at Saul and said, Dude, you already know. Why are you bothering me? Like, this is dumb. This is stupid. This is foolish. What do you want me to tell you? You're an idiot? Okay, well, fine. You're an idiot. Quit wasting my time. You already know. So prophets, in many cases, in every case are not ones who are creating this miraculous worldview. Let me tell you, you've got it all wrong. No, that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, you already know you have it wrong. You already know what is right and true and good. That's why when you have false prophets who are proclaiming something other than, and I use this phrase because in a lot of cases, this is what everything that the Old Testament was pointing towards, the kingdom of heaven, God. When you have prophets that are dealing in these matters who are pointing to something other than the kingdom of heaven, other than God, other than salvation, other than the law, other than the way, other than the truth, they are called false prophets. Now, many years ago, I made a mistake, and it was a bad mistake. It was a terrible mistake, and it hurt a lot of people. And by God's grace, he sent to me a prophet. Now, this man, this man walked with me for a time. And this man prophesied to me spoke to me, ministered to me. This man did not say anything remarkable. He did not give me a new gospel. Everything that he said was directed towards the singular truth. He prophesied Christ. He prophesied the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, he said, and all things shall be given unto you. These were his words. He repeated them often. It was almost like his calling card. And I have no doubt that he was a prophet. And in many cases today, to this day, whenever we are in contact, he still is. Still is to those whom he are call, he is called to prophesy to. But what does he prophesy? He prophesies the kingdom. He prophesies towards that which has already been established to be true. Now, that being said, did he speak in a way that sounded peculiar and odd? Yes, he did. But... His manner was designed to get a person to think, to consider, to reflect. And like language all across the land, Chinese, Japanese, Taiwanese, Mandarin, to me, they all sound very similar. English, my friend who lives in the UK, when we met for the first time, he was using words I had no idea what they meant. 
come to find that porridge really is just oatmeal. It's the same thing. I didn't know this. It speaks a different language. And sometimes when somebody speaks a slightly different language, it causes you to reach out and understand, what are you saying to me? It's not an esoteric language, it's just a foreign language, but it's similar enough to something that I can wrap my head around, and maybe, just maybe, it will cause me to think a little bit. And you have to be careful, because oftentimes that can be confused as fortune cookie spirituality. But the real prophets, the one that the Lord sent to me, he prophesied to me, reconcile with your wife. He prophesied to me, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things shall be given unto you. He prophesied the Messiah. He prophesied for me to get my head out of my ass. He didn't tell me anything new or remarkable. He didn't sit down and say that suddenly the trees are, you know, alive and they're ants. He didn't say nonsense like this. And he certainly didn't say that all these previous people have it wrong. Let's do the new way. Unlike some charlatans out there, some hucksters. Joseph Smith was called a prophet. Dum, 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 dum. All these denominations have it wrong. Oh, like what? What's wrong with them? Well, they're just all wrong. I'm going to start my new denomination. Ah, you fool. You don't, you're not interested in the kingdom. I will tell you this to your face. You sit down and tell me that all of these people have it wrong, but you can't even tell me what they have right. I can. I will. But understand this. I am not prophesying to you a new denomination. Far from it, because I recognize the importance and the patterns in Scripture. We are called to reconcile with one another. What does it say? What is written? What, do we, what have we established and known to be true? And there is a congruency and a line in that truthfulness. I am not saying that... We need to start a new denomination? Absolutely not. I'm saying we need to leave our sacrifice at the altar and go reconcile with our brothers and our sisters. I am saying that the Lord has made it clear to me that we are a church divided. Denominations are not parts of a body. No, they're not. They are entirely separate bodies. They are not unified in one proclamation or one gospel. All these denominations running around, all you're doing is saying, I don't like the way you're doing something, so I'm going to break away. But let's look at what Scripture teaches. You do not break away from that which is good. You cut the limbs off of that which is bad. You cut the limbs of that which is bad from the good. You don't just look around and say, I'm going to break myself off and go away. 
Not at all. That's not how you prune a tree. I don't look at a dead tree and say, oh, there's a good limb. Hack it off. What, what the hell do I do with this thing now? It's gone. Bear no more fruit. You're dead. Now, I better catch myself because I know what you'll say. Well, what about the olive branch? Yes, what about the olive branch? Because Christianity is the branch that is grafted onto the good. Christianity is the branch that is grafted onto the good. This is a slightly different metaphor. Because you see, we are part of the dead world. And we are saying, no, no, we're not going to be a part of this dead world. Lord, you've saw us, you've seen us, you're the one who are trying, you're the one who is trying to save us. But what does the branch do when it cuts itself off? Because it doesn't like the way other things are going. And I can tell you this, Martin Luther was not exactly a great guy. He truly was not. You read his works, and I ask the question, is this really somebody we want at the head of our theology? Sola Scriptura sounds great, until you realize what he's actually saying Scripture is. Oh, well, I don't like these books. Let me tear them out. Oh, geez, oh, man, yeah, that whole book of James really puts a kink in my, uh, in my theology. Oh, let's just tear that one out, too. Oh, and uh, Hebrews, mm, yeah, I don't like that one. Revelation, mm, nope, nope, got to get rid of that one, too. And yet we sit down and say, we need to go follow this man. This man literally called Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, an adulterer. Is this a man that we want to, 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 to lead the charge? I don't think so. I don't. I've read his works. I've read what he's had to say. And he is saying some very, very evil things. I can't believe a man who would profess to be a Christian would be so demeaning to our Lord and Savior. He gives us a gospel of his own tongue, not of truth. He interprets scripture in his own way. Oh, but liberty of conscience, isn't that great? Well, I will tell you this. Yes, the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, has had its problems. Nobody is going to dispute that. Even Roman Catholics will acknowledge that one. Well, you got one pissed off German over here, and he says, screw you, I'm going to go do things my way. My way. Did he ever say he was called by God to do so? Did he ever say that he had the epiphany? No, he just said, I don't like this. I'm going to go do things my way. Well, I will tell you this, that is not the way. I will tell you this, that is not the way. And I can speak for Protestants. And I can speak a little bit for Catholics, too, because paying for your sins, paying for remittance of sins, the price has already been paid. But we already, they, they've corrected that. They have reconciled that. They have repented from that. They have reformed from that. And so the prophecy that I bring to you, that I proclaim, is not a prophecy that is so remarkably outlandish 
It is not a prophecy that is saying, you know what, screw you, I'm going to start my own way. It is a prophecy that says the Lord calls us to reconcile with our brothers before we go to the altar. We are commanded to. Because a church divided, a house divided cannot stand. And damn it, people, we are falling. We are falling. The buildings are crumbling. Your theology is made out of Ikea furniture. It is flake board. It is MDF board. And a little bit of water will swell it up to proportions beyond your measure. And we are running around saying my way, not God's way. Although we can sit down and pretend we say God's way. Because I can find my, my, I can cherry pick my verse that will juxtapose what I have to say. My way. No, God's way. And God says that we are called to reconcile with our brothers and sisters. Right now, I don't care what the world is doing. Let the world do what it, it, do, it does. If they want to have abortion clinics on every corner of the street, if they want to have pride parades every single week, I say let them. Because guess what? It's none of my damn business. But you know what is my business? My business is what God's business is. And God's business is what goes on inside of the church. Because when we were founded, when we were brought up, we were living in the worst of times in the Roman Empire. Debauchery was a normal Tuesday for them, and we're shocked and shaken when we're seeing it daily. Guess what? Let them. Go ahead. Let them. Let them go destroy themselves. I don't, I mean, I care, but at the same time, that's not my concern. I'm not here to legislate morality. You can either be moral or you're not. If you want to be moral, you choose to be moral. Don't worry about them. Stop it. Stop preaching on the street corners and protesting this and that in the name of the Lord. Because you're trying to make sacrifices at the altar when you still have yet to reconcile. Who are you to sit down and tell the world when you're still running around saying, at least I'm not this? And that is the prophecy that I bring to you now to this day. The church's lampstands are dwindling and being snuffed out. The Spirit has left. The Holy Spirit, which is not the doer, it is the helper. The helper for the doers. And you are to be a doer. This is the prophecy that I'm referring to. And I am calling on all denominations. The Lord is calling on all denominations. Reconcile. Come together. And like the song says, come together over me, over Christ. I paraphrased. I ripped it off a little bit. That's okay. The point is, we are a church divided. And that is the prophecy that I bring to you. Now, you can either choose to listen to this because guess what? I'm not the only one who sees this. But maybe I'm going to be the only one who's going to be like, hey, you know what? There's a big damned elephant in that room. There's piss in the water. There's some fly in the honey. There are flies in the honey. There's some poison in the cookies. Don't eat it. This isn't a prophecy. This is an observation. <gasps> 
how could you say that? My question to you is, how can you not? Are you so happy to walk throughout life ignorant and oblivious? Well, I don't want to cause waves. I say this to you. If you're going to rock the boat, you'd better be ready to swim. The church is divided. Hear this. We know this. We see this every day. And to recapitulate that message, and I will a lot. I want to talk about other things, but this is what I have to say. A house divided cannot stand. And we are so divided right now. Let the world worry about itself. If you bend your knee to Christ, I call you brother and sister. If you strive to do the Lord's will, the Lord's will, go out and sin no more. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Acknowledge your sins. Have faith in the Messiah that he is the sacrificial lamb, that he is king, he is Lord. If you are hearing this message, then take it. Take it. And run with it. I will call you brother and sister. I don't care if you come from the Methodist background. I don't care if you come from the Roman Catholic background. I don't care if you come from the Eastern Orthodox background. Because the answer is we are all brothers and sisters and one in Christ. When we get to heaven, there is not going to be the sections over here for all these little people. No, we are one. And we have forgotten that. It is entirely us versus them. And we must stop. We must end this. We must become unified. We can argue about the salvific issues later. Actually, no. I'll tell you what. We already understand the salvific issues. We already understand the salvific issues. Christ is the light, the way, and the truth. We can argue about the orthodoxical issues later. We can argue about Mariology or original sin being sex or, you know, being baptized, fully immersion or just sprinkled a little uh, water sprinkling on our heads. We can argue about these things later. Let us come back together. Let us be reunified. And let us invite the spirit back in and say, Lord, please relight our lampstands. We have blown them out. And the ones we didn't blow out, the spirit just left anyways. I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope maybe that something I said resonated with you. I hope that something that I might have suggested to you strikes something. Because I have heard it for far too long. Too many people proclaiming a false gospel. I do not proclaim my way. I proclaim the Lord's way. In the words of an inspiration, and in my own, I say thank you, and peace be to you. Good day.